0: Welcome to the Mental Endurance Podcast. I'm Vanessa Forster, and I teach you how to build mental endurance to match your physical endurance. The result? A breakthrough performance without buying that next fancy bike, training more, or even racing more. You can train your mind like you train your body. Stick around to find out how. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to episode 13 of the mental endurance podcast, lucky number 13. Um, before we dive in, I want to share a few things. So two athletes that I work with one-on-one on mental endurance have done bike FTP tests in the last few weeks, and they both killed it. And by killed it, I mean they're making improvements in their FTP, even coming out of 2020 and without confirmed races on the horizon. This is the kind of stuff that really, really inspires me to share more about why this mental endurance work matters. Because when you learn how to train your mind and manage your mind around circumstances changes, like the world, and you learn how to use your emotions as fuel, similar to what I talked about in last week's episode, you don't wait to see improvements later. You create the opportunities to see your improvements now. And then we celebrate those improvements along the way. Celebrating the improvements is the most important part. It's my favorite part because none of us celebrate ourselves enough. And when we don't celebrate, we miss the opportunity to see how far we've come. And instead, we opt to like move the goal post, post further and further and further. And celebrating your progress along the way is a good habit to take on. Nothing is too small. So I'm shouting out to these two first and foremost, I will never get tired of celebrating people potential. It's actually why I do what I do and what I've been doing for going on like seven years now, before even starting my own coaching business, I worked for a fitness boutique on the operation side of things. And I was a people manager. I was a people developer and I spent my days helping others become more adept at their jobs and articulate the path for where they wanted to go within the organization So I got to see their potential before they did and then together we kind of laid down the path of what it would take to get them to their goals. I was damn good at it if I don't say so myself but after four years of doing that on the operations side I decided I wanted to move from operations to fitness. So I began fitness coaching and the beautiful thing with that is that I got to take my love for people potential and apply it to individuals on their fitness journey. And after a while of doing that, I realized the ultimate opportunity would be blend this passion and expertise with the triathlon world. So fast forward through certifications and hundreds of hours of coaching one-on-one, here we are, potential and triathlon through mental endurance. Okay, uh, I got off on a little tangent there, but the point I was trying to make is that I never get tired of celebrating people potential. I feel like it's in my blood at this point. All right, let's move on to what I want to talk about in this week's episode, your athlete self-concept. So in the Mental Endurance Live event that I did a few weeks back, I talked about the difference between athletic identity and what I call athletic nature. I described athletic nature as the inherent qualities that you bring to your sport. Now, there's your default athletic nature, The one that you have now, which may be different from the one that you want, and then your intentional athletic nature is composed of who you decide you want to be as an athlete, what you want to feel, and how you want to show up. It's, in essence, the inherent nature of you. And this week, I want to layer into that. The reason your athletic nature matters is because it literally is who you bring to your training and to your start lines. It's made up of the beliefs you have about yourself and how you feel. And if you don't know what that is right now, that's only because you just haven't taken the time to figure it out. It's not ambiguous or unavailable. The only thing you need to do is start by asking yourself two questions. And those two questions are, what have been your top five thoughts about you as an athlete? And what have been your top five thoughts about your racing goals? So I phrase that as what have been, as in like in the most recent past, what have been your top five thoughts about you as an athlete, and then what have been your top five thoughts about your racing goals? The answers to those two questions will show you a lot. So when I first start working with an athlete, this is one of the first things that we dive into. It's a must because it guides the whole process of developing the intentional athletic nature, And then your athlete self-concept, which is what I'll talk about in just a bit. It's kind of like when you go shopping, though. If you don't know what size you are, it's hard to know what section of the store you should be looking in. Why guess when you can just look at the tags that you're wearing and then know exactly where to go to start shopping? So by knowing this, you then also know more about your athlete self-concept. It's the thing that will hold you back or launch you forward. One of my mentors taught me this idea, and I love to extend it into sport. Personally, I have experienced a shift in my self-concept at multiple stages. So much of my self-concept had to change when I even first started long course triathlon. It was a big deal for me to up-level my self-concept into believing that I was, in fact, an athlete. For me, coming from a childhood that wasn't centered on sports and only really getting into sports as a rower in college, this was a big jump for me. It was a jump because I, I could remember from in high school, my high school boyfriend coaching me to run a mile straight for maybe the first time in my adult life. I was convinced I wouldn't even make it a mile. So, going from that place to rowing in college to taking on long course triathlon was a major jump for me. And then the next big jump in self concept came when I, before I qualified for Kona, that year I had to really step into not just being a committed athlete. But an athlete that stands for bold goals, whose audaciousness is that a word? I think that's a word. Audaciousness is an example of what's possible for others. And the athlete who creates her own sense of belonging. And that last one was everything. Okay, so here's the difference between athletic nature and self concept my athletic nature is comprised of the individual beliefs that I have about myself. And while these beliefs are important, my self-concept is the way I see the world interacting with me and how I'm interacting with the world. So it's not just a single belief, but the entire concept of who I am and the belief I have about how others perceive me. And then also all of that impacts how I interact in the world. So I'm going to give you an example so that you can really see how this plays out. Both are important, but they're distinctly different. I remember very clearly about four years ago when I realized I needed a major overhaul in my athlete self concept. Before Danny and I moved to Bozeman, we used to live in Salt Lake City, where there was a much larger triathlon community, and the team we were a part of had a fantastic mix of all ability levels, including some pretty fast people. And when we first joined them, It was that kind of like getting to know you phase where we were trying to figure out where we fit in. But we were like all in with this group because they were so inviting and welcoming and fun and we just wanted to be there all of the time. That's one of the reasons why I love triathlon, to be honest. The community is everything. And I remember doing an indoor bike time trial one Saturday morning. I think there were waves or something and Danny and I were maybe in a second wave Everyone was there. It was the best kind of indoor bike party. But on that time trial, I remember really feeling out of place. Like I didn't belong in that room doing that effort. I hadn't really done time trials before. I had no idea how to pace it. And I was fatigued from the week's worth of training. I finished it, but my power was not where I hoped it would be. And I didn't finish in the rankings where I really wanted to be. And I remember thinking, see, you don't belong here. Everyone is going to see that you're not fast and they're just going to judge you and not want you to be here because you can't hang. And in that time trial, I saw how the self-concept I had about myself not belonging was impacting how I interacted with my teammates and everyone around me. And then from there on out, I saw how much that was playing out in my life, training, and racing. When I started paying attention, I could see how the concept of not belonging was showing up in the results I was creating. From not properly preparing for a long weekend training session, like in terms of fueling or sleeping, I would just kind of miss the mark on it, and then I'd be wiped out. I would bonk or I wouldn't be able to finish with the group. Or maybe I was being invited to join in on a session and then I would write myself off as not fast enough as a reason to turn down the invite. So I had these results, these experiences That came from believing I don't belong. And then I would reinforce it. I'd be like, see, I don't belong there with them. And I saw this happening so often. And I would try to change something. I would have weeks where I would try to do things differently. I would try to hang on to belong with them, like roll out of the parking lot for a group ride on time, or start my run off the bike with them at the same time. These these actions that I would try to take that would force me to see that I could belong, that I did fit in. And I would try these, and inevitably, I would lose it. And I would just feel like it's another example of not belonging. And after that time trial, I remember feeling so embarrassed. And then I had this realization. If I really wanted to qualify for Kona, it didn't matter how much I tried to change my training session preparation or talk to my coach about my fatigue levels, or even if anything changed in how I was training or how much I was training – None of that would be enough. Honestly, none of that would matter if I didn't actually change my belief about not belonging. Nothing was going to shift physically if I didn't shift mentally. And it wasn't just about changing that one belief of not belonging. It was about shifting my entire self-concept into being someone who created her own sense of belonging and created the results that come from that. It was about interacting in the world from a place of Belonging and having self trust and self respect when less than ideal circumstances arise or with like undesired outcomes. So, taking it back to that time trial, I could not keep believing I don't belong, and not just for the sake of it being a completely low quality thought that kept me scared of the exact training sessions that I needed to progress, but because it was a reflection of how I was treating myself. And I was treating myself with judgment and ridicule, especially in those times when my watts weren't where I wanted them to be. I needed to change this belief in myself and also change the way I engaged with those circumstances. I had to stop using the results of the time trial as evidence that I don't belong. I decided that instead, I was going to exemplify self-trust and self-respect in the way of trusting that the effort that I put in is exactly what I had to give and respecting the outcome as one more of a progress point instead of shooting on myself. (laughs) That's S-H-O-U-L-D, which is interestingly enough, exactly what I would think of someone else who might've been riding next to me on that time trial or any other ride for that matter. I had to be willing to give myself the same respect that I would easily offer to anyone else. If I did belong right here, right now, how would I treat myself after a session that missed the mark on my expectations? I no longer made those sessions mean that I don't belong. And everything changed from that moment on. And it's very interesting for me to think back on this because it's almost so hard to believe that anymore. I have so much self-trust now, so much self-respect now, and so much self-compassion that I refused to fuel that self-concept of I don't belong anymore. And as a result, my progress as an athlete got easier to see, not because I was necessarily getting faster, faster, or training more, but because I wasn't resisting where I was and holding myself back with a collection of beliefs that supported this whole not belonging self-concept. I also Receive so much trust, respect, and compassion from others. As in, I'm open to receiving it. If I'm invited to a training session, it's because I know I'm meant to be there, which is entirely different from where it used to be. And that's exactly it. That's what I want you to consider with this episode. We group our beliefs about ourselves into this one identity of this is who I am, or it's just the way that I am. And really, It's just a set of beliefs we've developed over time into a concept of ourselves, and then we go and prove it over and over and over again. So here are some other questions to consider. Who are you being day to day in your training? And what are the thoughts you want to have about yourself as an athlete? And then how are the answers to both of those questions impacting how you interact with the world around you. Remember, I've said this, I'm sure like multiple times in various episodes, but your beliefs are just your most practiced thoughts. That's it. And if your self-concept needs an adjustment, know that it's a hundred percent in your power to do so. You might be like me where all of a sudden there's a spotlight shining directly on what needs to change and you cannot, you literally cannot unsee the spotlight. Or You might need to pay closer attention the next few weeks to see what's coming up. Another way to approach it would be asking something like, what do I believe about myself that feels true, but's not in line with who I want to be? Or what have I been unwilling to question until now? Sit with those questions. When I answered those questions for, for myself, it opened up this new level of awareness that I continue to learn from. Because as your goals evolve, so will your self-concept. Your next level will require your next self-concept. So the first time you sit down to answer these questions, it will probably be the hardest. And then it will get easier because you made it through that initial discomfort of, I don't know. And you've proven it to yourself. You do in fact know. And you're resourceful. And you can get to the juicier answer. Because I don't know is not juicy. (laughs) Think about it this way. We're so quick to make investments in new gear, but how much time have you invested in developing your athlete self-concept? If you spent even a quarter of the amount of time on your self-concept as you do training, the return on total time investment would be crazy high. The value gained over time compared to the investment is a no-brainer. So consider your current athlete self-concept and think about whether that is the version of you hitting your goals this year. If not, that's a clear indicator that you need to spend some time here. Your goals are worth it. And if you need a little extra reminder, put it in your training peaks this week if you need to. If you're like me, that's the best way to ensure that it'll actually get done. All right, that is it for this week. Self-concept is the name of the game. And I will meet you right here again next week.
1: feisty folks jamila here the feisty team community innovator in june of 2020 we launched a feisty team to help you all stay feisty no matter what the year threw your way over the last six months we've come together as a team to try and make the world a feistier place and connect with other like-minded friends in triathlon and endurance sports we meet every month and bring in experts that can help us on the path to building feistiness in ourselves and others and create meaningful change in our sport and community. The monthly subscription is only $22 and you'll get monthly feisty huddles and webinars with expert guests, big sponsor discounts, swag and monthly prizes, challenges to stay motivated, a community of feisty like-minded friends. Plus, we are adding new initiatives. All the time, like our new book club and virtual workouts. Go to feistyteam.com to join us and become a part of the feistiest team in endurance sports so we can crush 2021 together. That is feistyteam.com.
0: This podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. And if you enjoy it, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. When you like and subscribe, it helps more people find it. And if you want even more juicy, actionable tips to help you train your mind weekly, you better get on my email list. When you sign up, you'll get my 10 triathlon truths your conventional tri-coach hasn't told you. So grab your copy and I'll drop other useful tips in your inbox weekly. Link is in the show notes.